0: With Elevate 150 from Notre Dame Federal Credit Union, you can grow financially stronger and so can Redeemer Radio. Visit NotreDameFCU.com slash elevate. You already share our values. Why not share in our benefits? Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. This Church Life Today podcast is a production of Redeemer Radio and the McGrath Institute for Church Life at the University of Notre Dame and is brought to you in part by Notre Dame FCU and our listeners. If you could see the full expanse of the universe, do you think that might change your perspective? That probably seems ludicrous to even consider, but I got to tell you, it happened to me. In 2006, I walked into a digital planetarium, and a couple hours later, I walked out, beginning to see things differently. The man I met when I walked in, Phil Sakimoto, former NASA astronomer, professional planetarian, and, for the past 15 years or so, my partner in creating the unique planetarium presentation All Creation Gives Praise, a journey of scientific observation and theological reflection. Phil and I are together recording the audio for the final version of this presentation, which will soon become exportable to pretty much any other digital planetarium In the world. You're listening to Church Life Today on Redeemer Radio Production and the McGrath Institute for Church Life. I'm your host, Leonard DiLorenzo. Let's get to it. Phil Sakamoto, welcome to the show. Hey, glad to be here, Lenny. So, Phil, we're actually together in person, which is kind of unusual in this era because we're recording the final version of a planetarium presentation that you and I have been working on now for oh 15 or so years called All Creation Gives Praise. I've kind of told the story of the creation of this presentation myself, and I know we've told it together, but why don't you give us your version of where this presentation came from, and as a professional astronomer, what is distinctive about what we've been doing?
1: Yeah, so this program started you know, quite a few years ago. It's kind of like an old joke, you know, a theologian and astronomer walk into a planetarium. <laughs> and that's pretty much what happened. This was just after we had the planetarium built and we were sort of giving it a shakedown cruises, I was at that time in the physics department and was one of the people responsible for trying to make the thing work. And, yeah, this theologian, your host, Lenny DiLorenzo, comes walking in, saying that he is looking for a setting to kick off a retreat on the theme, your God is too small. So he wants to know what we could do there. In the planetarium.
0: In the planetarium. To help me get 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 through this message that your God is too small.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you know, and he's asking if we have some, you know, like canned shows we, he could show or something like that. And I said, well, we do, but you really ought to take a look at the universe. So I showed him the whole universe. You ought to take a look at the universe. How about that line? <laughs> yeah, because in this planetarium, we have technology that was really brand new at that time. One of the, we were one of the few places in the world that could do it but we had the capability of turning the whole theater into a, basically a virtual spacecraft and take a tour of the entire observable universe as if we could actually fly out there which we did how far oh i don't know we went outside the ob- observable universe so i think we end up at which distance, is unphysical like you which is unphysical be, okay and it would put us at a distance of, I don't know, 50 or 100 billion light years, I suppose, something no like that. No big deal. No big deal. No,
0: no. I'm from California. I'm used to driving long distances. You're from California. I'm from we California get that. Too, yeah, we, yeah. we spend a lot of time in vehicles. So, if, what? That's what right. is 50 billion light years between friends? Yeah,
1: nothing. Right. So, we do this program for his retreat. I just a tour of the universe. And he says, that was great. But then he keeps coming back year after year and he starts saying things like, we should add a theological narrative to this. We should add some special music to this. And as you know, this whole program is evolving to the point where, now the way that I describe it to people sometimes, by the way, when Lenny's not listening, so he probably has not heard me say this before, this is the ultimate road trip. It's a journey through the entire universe with an astrophysicist, me, as your pilot and guide to what you're seeing. And this theologian, Lenny, riding shotgun (laughs) and offering color commentary as we go. (laughs) (laughs) And when we first did this, we did it live, and that's literally what happened, because Lenny would sit at the council with me to my right in the co-pilot seat, and he was operating the music and also, indeed, offering commentary at each tour stop. So you've been doing planetarium presentations now for, what,
0: decades? At least years upon years.
1: I started working in planetariums when I was an undergraduate in college back in the early 70s. Okay. So decades. Yeah. Yeah. At at the Griffith Observatory in Los Angeles. Okay. Yeah. So,
0: you know, with all this experience in planetariums, you come, we develop in the mid-2000s, 2006 or so, this digital planetarium, digital visualization theater at Notre Dame. What is different or what was different about that planetarium from other planetariums that you've been in? And how, I don't know, how did this presentation, All Creation, give praise? How was it possible there, but maybe not elsewhere?
1: So all the planetariums I'd worked in previously were the old style, what we call optomechanical planetariums, you know, with the big star ball in the middle where you project the stars in the dome through little pinholes and lenses in the star ball. And in those types of planetariums, you know, the only stars you can see are the ones you can see from Earth. That's what's there. And you used to treat it almost like a lecture hall in the sense that you'd pick some topic to talk about and you'd augment the stars with like just slides or something like that. Digital planetariums, where the stars are created in a computer and they're projected on the dome, The first ones actually were made back in the 70s. I remember Mm. seeing them. And they were awful. (laughs) They were really awful. I mean, think about it. This was was in the days when the biggest and best computer game around was Pong. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the stars are these big green squares. And it's just horrible. And I sort of kept half an eye on the development of digital planetariums over the decades since and saw some of them and... You know, they were kind of fun, but the stars were just so unrealistic. You couldn't get them small enough, pinpoint enough. Well, in 2005 is when I arrived at University of Notre Dame in the physics department and discovered that this wonderful science building, Jordan Hall of Science, was under construction. And they start talking to me about, we want to put a planetarium in there. And so they immediately put me on the faculty committee that was looking at equipment for what are we gonna put in this place? And that was good because, you know, I don't think there's anyone on the faculty other than me who'd ever actually worked at a planetarium. Yeah. And we got to fly around the country, you know, going to different sites, looking at what was there. Digital planetariums were just coming of age at this time. And we saw things that thought, well, that's not bad, but it's not great either. And, but then we got an invitation to come out to New Hampshire. Skyscan Incorporated was doing a public demo of their brand new system. They called Definity. It was the eleventh hour, meaning we had to sign a contract like that month in order to get construction done by building opening. And it was getting critical, so critical that Father Jenkins loaded us his personal airplane. <laughs> <laughs> we went on the university's airplane on a quick trip to New Hampshire. You know, it's a sweet airplane by Desperate the way. Desperate times, <laughs> and saw a demo of this new system. And as we were walking out of that demo, I said to Professor Pete Garnovich, who was the other astronomer on this committee, that's the first time I've seen digital stars I would buy. Hmm. Hmm. And Pete, who is a very keen observer of the sky, agreed that those stars were realistic enough that we would want them in our own building. Hmm. So we did buy them, Mm -hmm. and we put them in, and at the time that we finally first opened our doors, we were... Literally, the most technologically advanced planetarium theater in the world. Wow. We were the first place to get an installation of this new Skyscan Definity system. The second installation came along about two weeks later in Greece, (laughs) as I recall. But for two weeks, we held that distinction. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And this, as I understand it, as you've told me, is the
0: only planetarium that you had been in with a crucifix on the wall.
1: As far as I know, that's true. Every other major planetarium I know of is owned by a public institution, Mm -hmm. right a museum or a public university or something. So they can't do this melding of the religious and scientific content as we're doing here. But that crucifix, this happened while we were still getting the equipment installed. So you imagine the scene. I was in there just sort of hanging out. The technicians from Skyscan were there. We've got crates strewn all over the place, right. cables just littering the floor everywhere, trying to find their right places. And into this chaos walks about a half dozen people in suits. And I'm thinking, what in the world is going on here? They don't say a word to any of us, just walk in. They kind of huddle up near the front of the theater, and it's like a cartoon. They're all looking around and pointing this way and that and huddling some more and pointing some more, and then they walk away. And I'm thinking, okay, that was strange. And about two minutes later, a university carpenter walks in with his toolbox and he puts a crucifix on the wall. So obviously this was the official committee to decide where the crucifix goes (laughs) in the planetarium. (laughs) That is the only thing in that whole planetarium that I ever saw anyone from the university higher up really care about what we're doing in there. Mm. So now we have a crucifix on the wall. (laughs) <laughs> and, uh, yeah, uh, in terms of a major digital planetarium, as far as I know, we're probably the only one that has one. Mm-hmm.
0: This is Leonard DiLorenzo. You're listening to Church Life Today on Redeemer Radio. My guest is Dr. Phil Sakimoto, professional astronomer and director of the Program for Academic Excellence at Notre Dame. We're talking generally about science and religion, creation and observation, and the unique planetarium presentation called All Creation Gives Praise. So, thinking about the planetarium at Notre Dame and this presentation that we've been working on, you and I, for 15 years, we're now in the process of creating the final, final, final version, doing audio recordings. You'll be doing a lot of the recording of the visuals in the planetarium in the weeks and months to come. But up to now, since probably about 2006, Really, this this presentation has been limited to our own planetarium with maybe a very few exceptions. It couldn't be viewed elsewhere.
1: That's not quite true. Not quite. Okay, our, so I'm lying our, on the radio. But our, our licensing restriction lets us show it at other planetariums that have equipment from SkyScan, St. Vendor. Got it. But at
0: this point, it, the way it's going to be rendered now, it will be basically exportable to almost every digital planetarium out there. Yeah, What do you find as the significance of that, of being able to take this presentation that could really almost only be created in a place like this, where you can do this kind of science and this kind of theology together, and now to make it available Elsewhere.
1: Yeah. First, I want to emphasize this bringing together science and the religion, mm-hmm. because in order to make the version that we can show any place, that is, in order to get around our licensing restrictions, my buddy Keith Davis, who's the director of the DVT, is creating our own universe. That we're building all of our own databases of all the galaxy stars and everything out there, that's what we're going to use the visuals, rather than using the ones that came built in with the planetary system. And
0: all of these images, we should say, and and reinforce are these are this is actual observed astronomical phenomenon, right? right? So It's not like you're kind of guessing and creating images based on what you think is out there. It's actually the data that's come in through our telescopes and has now been represented within this digital space.
1: Yeah, one thing that's so important to everyone in the planetarium business is that whatever we put on the dome is going to be as absolutely accurate and realistic as possible. Science fact, not science fiction, as you say at some point. In fact, right now, Keith is combing through various data sets of galaxies and quasi-stellar objects and other things and making sure he understands how each data set was put together mm-hmm. and then building out of that a mega data set that's going to place every galaxy, every quasar in its correct location, right, three-dimensional okay. space. So it's a big task. And so uh, you've got this
0: yeah. a- incredibly sophisticated and advanced astronomy and also technical digital expertise that's recreating the a projected image of the universe just as it is. It's wedded with, or in dialogue with, this theological, scriptural reflection, and now it's gonna be available elsewhere. Elsewhere, yeah. What's, what do you find is the significance of that? So,
1: when we have shown elsewhere, even here at Notre Dame, I'm actually really amazed at audience reactions, and you've seen this too, Lenny, that, that people are really, really moved from it, especially practicing Catholics, honestly because we get so wrapped up in this intellectual debate about the relationship between science and religion and all that. And in this program, that's all put aside, and instead you're invited to simply experience all of creation as best as we know it scientifically and with the kind of guidance that you give, Lenny, in terms of how, how do we come to grips with all this, with our relationship as individual people to our Creator. And that... That bringing together of the intellectual and the emotive mm-hmm. in one place is so rare. And it just blows people's minds, mm-hmm. you know? And the few times we've taken it to other places, we have the same reaction. You know, I see people walking into the theater in tears because they've never really thought about their universe and their God in, in that way before. Oh.
0: Well, I mean, you know this, Phil, that I had— That kind of reaction myself when you first took me for a sort of spin around the block. You know, when I walked in there for the first time in 2006 or 2007, whenever it was, and I asked, you know, so basically, what can you do? And you took me to the edges and beyond the edges of the observable universe and back again. And for those who have seen this presentation, All Creation Gives Praise, you know that you begin from Earth looking up at the night sky. And after going out some 13.8 billion light years, and then out a little bit further to look back at that, maybe 50 billion light years. And you return to the earth, which at that point, your perspective on it has completely changed. It's utterly small. It seems utterly insignificant. And yet it's cherished. Not only is it our home, but you kind of have, at least I had this perspective of like, whatever significance we have, it's not because of our magnitude. It's because of how we're paid attention to. And for a believing Catholic, it's Mm -hmm. that God has paid attention to us, has created us. And now it's his gaze that gives us our significance. But I've told you this before, Phil, right? It just so happened that right after that first time that we met in the planetarium, you took me out there and we came back. I was leaving and going to a mass for, I think it was for a program I was running or something like that. And I was... I mean, my mind was blown because I had no sense of the... You can't really have a sense of the proportions of things until you, in this way, really experience it. And it's as I went up to the altar to receive communion and this small, seemingly insignificant host is placed in my hand, that I had this sense, the the similar sense that I had at the end of that tour that you took me on. This small, in, seemingly insignificant thing, but invested with everything from our God in this tiny space. And that was kind of probably the birth of this dialogue that we've been involved in now for 15 years, right? As you yourself as a Catholic, as, a, as an astronomer, what has this exercise of this dialogue of between the science and the religion, between the astronomy and the theology, what has that opened
1: up or meant for you? I think you changed the way I see the universe. Seriously. Wow. Um, <laughs> that's quite a line. Yeah. That should be in a movie. Or <laughs> I mean, at least on the radio. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I
0: think we just exceeded Jerry Maguire, right? <laughs> like that line at the end of Jerry Maguire, you complete me. What you just said is, I think you changed the way I see the universe. That is a much better line. I love because it.
1: Because the astronomers' universe is a huge place and it's really mostly empty space actually yeah it was incredibly vast and in a human sense it's incredibly empty mm. and as i look at this universe you know time after time now as we do this presentation and listen to your words Lenny what you're doing is you're filling up the emptiness mm. with the love of god and it makes the complete package and that's what makes it work
0: this is Leonard DiLorenzo. You're listening to Church Life Today and Redeemer Radio. My guest is Dr. Phil Sakimoto, professional astronomer and director of the Program for Academic Excellence at Notre Dame. We're talking about science and religion, creation and observation, and the unique planetarium presentation called All Creation Gives Praise.
1: Okay, I get to ask you a question All now, right. Because at the close of the program, as we're coming back to Earth, yes. we do this wonderful song, God Is, by Daniel Rose. Yes, Notre Dame grad. You need to tell the story of the origin of that song.
0: Okay, so Danielle Rose is a is a graduate of Notre Dame. She was a class ahead of me when I was an undergraduate here. She's now a, you know, professional Catholic singer-songwriter. Some of our listeners may know her. But if I remember correctly, I think this is true. I think we were in a class together, and it might have been a class on prayer. And as one of the kind of assignments over the course of the semester, each of us I think was supposed to compose a prayer, maybe based on a psalm or something like that, and had an opportunity to share it in class. And, you know, Danielle kind of volunteers to share hers. And she says, you know, well, I, didn't, I wrote something down, but it, it actually kind of comes out as a song. And so this is what I wrote last night. And it was that song, God Is, which is astoundingly beautiful. And her voice is just angelic. She's just a, a tremendous musician. But there we are just sitting in a in a classroom and she I think she brought her guitar in and there it was this song, which is, you know, certainly stayed with me personally since the first time I heard it. And I know for many people this was on it has been a very meaningful song. It's on her first album called Defining Beauty. But it just, you know, in the return trip back to Earth from the edges of the observable universe where you take us something in sort of the back of my mind reminded me of that song as I was seeing it at some point and it just seemed like the perfect song to sort of guide us on this very quick trip back after we take a very slow trip out there so that's where it came from
1: yeah it fits really well there are lines and lyrics that just blend with our visuals as if they were intentional maybe they were who knows but it certainly works
0: yes absolutely So we're talking about a little bit this, you know, this presentation, All Creation Gives Praise, which in short order, not too long from now, will be able to be sort of exported to other planetariums and be available hopefully to a lot more people. But you, you more than me actually, have already taken at least a version, a slimmed down version of All Creation Gives Praise, not just on the road, but way, way, way on the road. (laughs) This was a few years ago. I don't know how this happened. Maybe you know how this happened, but. Somehow through Cardinal Turkson's office at the Vatican, they were putting together, the Vatican was putting together an exhibition for an International World's Fair on science and renewable energy. And we were asked to create from about a 55-minute planetarium presentation, which all creation gives praise, to create a 10-minute version that really focused on the gift of energy or the gift of light. yeah. And so, we created a 10-minute version called Let There Be Light. And this was translated into multiple languages. So, it was in English, obviously, and then what? Chinese, Russian, Italian. And Kazakh. And Kazakh, because it was in Kazakhstan. Exactly. That's where you took this presentation. And I think you've told me, uh, you estimate about 100,000 people saw it over the course of a few months. So, Talk a little bit about that presentation and also like what it was like to be in Kazakhstan at this fair and having people go into a portable planetarium to take in this presentation.
1: This was an adventure I really still can't believe happened. (laughs) And by the way, there is a backstory as to how this actually came about. Oh, tell me. Well, it has to do with the person who's now the director of the Vatican Observatory. Oh, right. Brother brother, Guy. Brother Guy, yeah. Yeah. Well, this is what I tell people. One way you can tell when you're getting old, and I'm getting old, is that people that were just buddies of yours suddenly appear in high places. Uh So I've known Brother Guy as, you know, just another American astronomer from way back. And uh, he turns up as director of the Vatican Observatory. He's a Jesuit, for those who don't know. Well, he's been through Notre Dame. He passes through periodically because his family is actually from Detroit. So he comes through here now and then. And he's seen all creation gifts raised a time or two and has really, really liked it. In fact, I have to tell you the Brother Guy story quickly. Is that the first time he told me, he told me the first time he saw it, he didn't enjoy it he was on pins and needles because his brain was watching carefully to see if we said anything that was incorrect ah. inaccurate either theologically or scientifically ah. and of course since it's Lenny and me were doing it we didn't and <laughs> and he's so but he's so used to it when you see public things that there are inaccuracies on and we got through and he went oh they did everything right He says the second time he saw it, he really enjoyed it, because he just relaxed and let it happen. So he went back to the Vatican and started talking it up, and that's how it got into Cardinal Turkson's ears, actually. Okay. And eventually came back. And so what we did was not really an outtake, but we really made a new production to match what they wanted in this expo. So this is an international expo, every country in the world comes, big exhibition, you know, they fill up a whole pavilion with stuff, and the Vatican has their own pavilion, and they want... Our program to be the opening part, of the place where people walk in the Vatican exhibition, they come into a planetarium and see this. So we said, okay, sure. And then I found out we had to bring our own planetarium.
0: <laughs> you have to bring a planetarium. One will not be provided. No, we had to. B Y O P.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's one of those things because, right, you know, when God wants you to do something, sometimes make sure you've got the tools. And yeah, I know a fair amount about portable planetariums. And so we, you know, managed to find the right equipment, bring it all together, ship it out to Kazakhstan. And then I went out there along with another colleague of mine, Dr. Pat Reif from Rice University, who actually runs a planetarium business on the side. She was the one who provided the planetarium itself. And so she and I flew to Kazakhstan, which, by the way, takes two consecutive red-eye flights with a full day in Frankfurt Airport in between. Oh, my. Yeah. (laughs) Plus a couple of little side flies to get to the red eyes. right? But we got there, and so it was two of us building this little planetarium from the ground up inside the Vatican's pavilion, which was, it was kind of fun, actually. Yeah. Arduous, but fun.
0: What were some of the reactions you got to this presentation?
1: The best reaction I got was from Cardinal Turkson himself. Hmm. He came towards the end of the summer to see it. And so I, you know, brought him in. We showed it, had a special run just for him to see it. And to be fair to him, he had just come from Kazakhstan's own pavilion, which was gigantic. And they mm-hmm. actually put a really huge planetarium in there, which they used for entirely different purposes. And they came to see ours, and I asked him what he thought of it. And he said, well, it was a very nice program, but it was so small. And I knew he meant that our dome was small compared to the one that was in the Kazakhstan pavilion. Yeah. But later on, when I got a chance to talk to him at more length during reception, I came to him and I said, uh, Cardinal Turkson, you're the only person I've ever heard tell me that the Big Bang was too small. <laughs> <laughs> and he just busted up laughing. <laughs> and I invited him to come to Notre Dame at some point yeah. and see our full All Creation gets Praise. Which he did. In huh? our dome. And he did. Yeah, Next he, time he, he was came. in our part of the world. And so... The people came to the Vatican Pavilion, though, and saw not only our presentation, which was there to give sort of the moral voice to the use of energy. Mm -hmm. The gift of light. The gift of light, yeah, Mm -hmm. to be used wisely, as you, Lenny, say in this program. (laughs) More than anything else, they were astonished that the Vatican was there, the visitors. Yeah. Like, what is the Vatican doing in this? Deeply involved in this, right? In science and— And and to see that the church had such a concern for the morality of the use of energy. Mm Mm-hmm. I, people were astonished, and amazed. It made a lot of people think much more highly of the Catholic Church. They never heard of such a thing. Yeah, how about that? And uh, and I got to say, you know, I had a chance to go around in most of the other pavilions. So there was only there was one other pavilion that talked about the gift of creation. Which one was that? Oh, guess. You've made me guess before, and I always forget. (laughs) But it's so obvious. Once you
0: say, oh, it was Israel. It was Israel, Israel. of course, because
1: it is, after all, their story.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Well, I've been talking today with Dr. Phil Sakimoto, who's a professional astronomer, director of the Program of Academic Excellence at Notre Dame. We've been talking mostly about the presentation he and I have been working on for about 15 years called All Creation Gives Praise. Phil, thanks so much for joining me for this conversation. It's been good to have you on the show.
1: Well, you're welcome. It's
0: been fun. For anyone who wants to learn more about All Creation Gives Praise, our colleague John Nagy at Notre Dame Magazine wrote just a stunning article about the presentation. It appeared in Notre Dame Magazine under the title Sources of Light. So look it up and have a read. We also must mention and give our thanks to our colleagues in the Science and Religion Initiative in the McGrath Institute for Church Life, namely the director, Professor Chris Baglow, who helped to secure funding so that we could make this final version of All Creation Gives Praise and get it out there into the cosmos. Thanks for joining us on Church Life Today. We'll talk to you next time. This Church Life Today podcast is a production of Redeemer Radio and the McGrath Institute for Church Life at the University of Notre Dame and is brought to you in
1: part by Notre Dame FCU and our listeners.